Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of ODY Radio. It's Adam Farkas along with... Hi everyone, Paul Farkas here. And today is we're going to talk all about financial success in your optical and controlling the costs of goods. And we're laughing here because if you, if you could see me, I'm covered in sweat right now because we actually just had a hardware failure about five seconds before we went on the air. So I, I went scrambling under the desk. There are wires hanging around everywhere. Uh, it's a real disaster here, but but hopefully we'll stay on the air long enough uh, so we'll get a good show out of this one, right, Paul? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this, this is a really interesting one. It, it is. And and actually, uh, before we introduce our guest, I'd like to get up on my soapbox for a second and give an anecdote. Okay, is, well, let's, let's hear a story. So something that I never actually do, but um, I've noticed on ODWire that a lot of people have what I would call dental envy. Oh, yeah. What what would be a word for that? I don't know. but but, I know it's dentophobia if you're afraid of dentists, (laughs) but but the the love of dentistry. Yeah. So so there's a great deal of of dental envy going on on the site where people think the dentists have it so much better. And I'm here to tell you that they don't. Um, One of the projects that I did in my my day job, you know, running a software company is we built a uh, software backend for a company who was allowing dentists to have their dental restorations, their bridges and crowns manufactured in China and sent back over to the United States. And the entire reason they were doing that was to reduce the actual cost of the bridges and crowns. So you may think that dentists live high on the hog and that they don't worry about this kind of stuff. Well, well, they do. Um, and it's really germane to what we're doing today. Um, and with that, as I'm looking here all over our sound levels, I think I'm going to let Paul do the introductions today of our of our guest, who's oh. who's gonna who's who I think you all will learn a lot from, and I think this might be one of the most profitable half hours you're gonna have listening to ODWire Radio. Okay, it'll be my pleasure uh, to introduce Dr. Dan Dietrich, who graduated from uh, the University of uh, of St. Louis College of Optometry, uh, and he went into a, a private practice. Uh, and after that, uh, he opened up a private practice in Berlin, New Mexico. Uh, but more important, he was uh, he was involved in a professional activity which included uh, founding and being president of a IPO, an IPA. And I'm going to let Dan talk a little bit about the IPA because I really don't know uh, what what even to say about it, uh, and just what it was. And then what, what happened to the organization? Is it still alive and well? And what can we learn from it? So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce Dan. Dan Dietrich, take it away. All right. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> nice to have this opportunity, and I appreciate your, your kind words. Um, sometimes as we get into professional organizations, we start getting involved in all these acronyms and professional soup, or I'm sorry, uh, alphabet soup that we get. Um, if... Um, my, my background is is that uh, I graduated in 1991 from the University of Missouri-St. Louis School of Optometry. I went into private practice in Minnesota. I worked there four years, and my practice opportunity was not, not a pleasant one. So I pushed that behind. I moved to New Mexico, and I went to work for um, actually my uncle. And after two years working with him, I bought his practice out so he could retire, and I've, I've had the practice ever since. Um, I practice in a small town in Berlin, New Mexico, which is about 30 miles south of Albuquerque. Our weather here is beautiful. In fact, we have the balloon fiesta going on this week, and there's uh, hundreds and hundreds of people here from other countries flying their balloons all around the all around the air. It's beautiful. Um, when I when I, after I had been in practice for a couple of years, I started getting disenchanted with some of some of the opportunities that were 
coming our way in terms of of managed care contracts and such. And I, I even I, I was so bothered by it. I, I even went to the trouble of looking at you know what what would it take to to um, uh, unionize um, optometry. And uh, and as I looked into it more and got more educated, I learned that that probably wasn't wasn't going to happen. And just at that time, I, I was introduced to a couple of fellows that that were working with with IPAs. And for those of you that don't know what an IPA is, it's an independent practitioners association. And and with this, by using certain certain approved methods um, from the the FTC, a group of competitors can meet to discuss certain merits of their of their professional life. Or, you know, just like all the things with antitrust, the IPAs have to be careful not to get get involved in those areas. But there's many things that we can that we can discuss that that don't create any changes in the competition. So with that, we developed an IPA in New Mexico, and and as we were doing this, we found that there were several other IPAs that were formed and forming in other states. So we decided to form a coalition. And so I went to a meeting in Salt Lake City in 2003, and we formed this coalition. At that time, it was seven states. And currently, the coalition has grown to 27 states, and we represent about 5,000 optometrists. After working with the organization for a number of years, up until March of this year, um, we felt that this was a, a good tool to help Find, help optometrists find better ways to better better insurance plans, better reimbursements, you know, better better practice life, and and even um, to some extent um, better better profit margins by by you know trying to buy as a group. Um, unfortunately, and and this is something that I that I've seen in other organizations in eye care and, and outside of eye care, um, people love the idea, but when it comes time to supporting these kind of things. Um, they they don't really throw their support completely your, your way, so and so one of the things that that the IPA really failed on was was getting any real sell through on on purchasing goods, and and so over over the you know after putting about ten or eleven years into that venture, I sort of felt like I'd given it all the energy I could, and so I I stepped down as a board member, and and uh, decided to just be a, a civilian. So I'm still a member of the IPAs, but but I'm no longer in a leadership capacity with the IPAs. Right. And, you know, it sounds like your passion throughout your career has been uh, trying to help out the independent practitioner. And I guess this sort of brings us to where we are today. And I know that a lot of folks who are listening to this have been on OD Wire and they've seen the ads for Smart OD. So do you think you could sort of give us an overview of what this is yeah, all about? Yeah, but before we get the, into that part, a little bit more about you, Dan. Uh, uh, for example, Berlin, New Mexico. You know, the only thing I know about New Mexico uh, is, break, you know, Breaking Bad, I think, was filmed in New Mexico. Uh, and you get you get the impression of, of New Mexico from sometimes from film. Can you describe uh, your, your particular practice and where you're located? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Breaking Bad, uh, there, the Albuquerque Journal, I believe it's about two weeks ago, excuse me, ran the obituary for um, for uh, Brian Cranston's character. And, uh, and um, let's see, uh, Copies of that paper that held that that held that were selling on eBay for like a thousand dollars a copy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was very popular here. It was very popular. That that whole series was popular. Um, but Breaking Bad, the scenery that you see, and, and 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 there's another there's another show on TV, Longmire, 
that's filmed in 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 around Albuquerque and out um, out in around Santa Fe. That's kind of the scenery. We're a we're a high desert um, area. We've got mountains surrounding us. Um, we've got we've got lots and lots of free space. Our our state is the fourth largest state in the union, and we only we have less than two million people that live here. So so if you get out of Albuquerque, you can be by yourself for a long time. So that that part's really nice. Our weather is beautiful. We don't have the same weather that Phoenix has. Our our average July high is 93. Our our average evening uh, low in in that time is usually in the high 60s, low 70s. It's it's just a, it's beautiful. We we get occasional snow in in the down here in the valley, and there's always snow in the mountains uh, in the winter time. And uh, and for for someone who likes to be outdoors and and uh, see mountains, it's a beautiful place to live. Right. So you're just getting closer to home. Can you describe your practice and staffing and the patient base that you have? Sure, sure. My practice is a solo practice. Um, I'm the third doctor who's been an owner of this practice. The practice was started in the mid-50s um, by a, by a, what, what was thought to be the most successful optometrist ever in New Mexico history. He was, he was well-loved and well-respected and had one of the most profitable practices around. And, and I, I never met him. He, he actually got cancer and died in 1982, um, which was uh, before I finished high school. Um, but today I meet older patients and they say, oh, Dr. McDougall, he was great. He did this. He did this. And, and it's that tradition that we've carried out here. The next doctor that came in was Dr. Lytle. Um, he owned the practice for about 15 years. And then I've owned it now for, um, for the last 15 years. And our practice is, is uh, very diverse. We, have, uh, we see patients of every age. Um, we, see, we see men, women, children. We, see, uh, we have a, a, a large um, population of people here who work for the railroads. We see a lot of, of uh, blue-collar workers. Um, I would say that our, our demographic is probably, um, probably not on the, the high side. We have a lot of medical assistance, a lot of, uh, a lot of poverty, a lot of welfare. Uh, we have a lot of people um, who, who are retired, so we see you know, our practice is very heavy into, into managed care, Medicare, Medicaid, those types of things. So it would seem to me that uh, with your patient base, having the opportunity to get uh, a, a quality lens at a modest price would be very important to, to your bottom line and your optical. Uh, it, it's, it, it's very important. Um, you know, if, if you're, you know, the way Medicaid is, is run in New Mexico is, is this, the Medicaid program gives us a set amount of money for a frame, a set amount of money for lenses, and they give us a, a modest dispensing fee. Um, most of the labs that we work with um, locally that understand New Mexico Medicaid will will provide you with a complete pair of glasses for about what you get reimbursed from Medicaid for that eyewear. So you're essentially trading dollars. So if you if you're going that route, you, you you can't do it. And a lot of doctors just don't see a reason to do it. Now. What I've been able to do in working with uh, Favi Cavallis and Smart OD is I've been able to get him to bring in a line of frames that, that prices out under $4. And, and all of us that have experienced those really cheap frames, the big knock on those is that they're cheap, but they don't hold together. And when you put this in a rugged group of people like, you know, like a bunch of young children, boys, girls, you know, they play rough, they play hard, you're fixing those glasses every day. And, and we've been through 20 different companies and using their products, 
and and this line that we're getting from Smart OD, uh, we've had the fewest fewest replacements, the fewest complaints, and you know, and you sure don't make money fixing those glasses. Right. You know, it's sort of interesting. People always think that you know, to to have a profitable op- optical, you have to really try to grow it. Um, and, and really maximize your revenues. But these days, it seems like hitting it from the other side like you are is even more important. Um, you know, since, since your revenues are going to be constrained, you have to try to wait, find ways to really cut out the cost. Um, so this sounds Absolutely. like yep. Yeah, well, what, you know, what's coming down the, down, down the pipe, if you watch, um, they made an announcement about three months ago that said that one of the changes that's going to happen with the Affordable Care Act in New Mexico is, is there's, they're going to lower... The requirements to get on Medicaid. So what that means to to New Mexicans is they're going to add about 170,000 new Medicaid recipients in the state. That's 10% of our population is going to be added to the people that already have Medicaid. So these are people who are going to come in with a defined benefit. They're going to be able to get an eye exam. They're going to be able to get a pair of glasses, and and unfortunately they fit into that that income level where they, they don't have a lot of um, extra income. To, to So if they don't have this program, they're not going to be patients at all. So, so this gives us a good opportunity to serve that population, but you have to find a, you know, you have to find a way to make a dollar to do it. You can't do it for free. So it seems that uh, Smart OD is an idea whose time has come. Uh, and so it would, be, it would be very helpful if you could just give us a little more information about how you came about meeting Favi Kovalis, who is the founder and CEO of the company, and uh, how, how did it all come about? Sure. Well, <clears throat> I actually met Favi um, back in 1995 when I first came to New Mexico. He he has he had a, a, a small frame company, and at that time he was selling frames that were called um, Golf and Metzler, and the Metzler frame company was actually headquartered in Germany. And so he was their he was their exclusive U.S. distributor for the Metzler frame line, and we we had some of those we liked those frames and we put them in the office and and he most of the time he repped his own product he had a, kept his company really lean, and over time he he developed it but he always kind of kept this he lives in Denver so he always kept this Southwest area as as something that he he spent a lot of time you know visiting the practice himself, and over the years you know we we meet we talk and. You know, as you go through time, you 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 find certain um, people in the industry that you that you enjoy talking to, and and he's one of those people. Um, we've shared a lot of ideas. In fact, when we when we were starting up the IPA in in the early 2000s, he was he was the first guy to come along and say, "I like this idea. Um, how can I be a member?" And he was the first to join, and and he supported it very well. Then, um, as time went on, we keep having visits. And in January, he came to my office on a sales call, and he usually meets with my my frame buyer, and I don't really see him. I'll wave at him or, you know, maybe chat for a minute. He asked if he could speak with me. And and I said, sure. So he came into my office, and he said, I have an idea, and I want you to tell me if you think it's a good idea or not. And he essentially unveiled Smart OD. And he told me, he says, look at all these frames that you get from me, and you pay, you know, $40, $50, $60, $70 a frame. He says, what if I could get all of those frames for you for $20 or less? I said, I'm in. How do you do it? He says, well, we strip away all the extra stuff. He says, you know, we don't have to pay a, a rep commission because you'll order them online. You won't have to talk to anybody. So, 
I said, well, I already know what I want, so I don't need you to come point it out to me on an iPad anyway. He says, exactly. He says, and he says, you buy what you want, so we don't have to worry about, you know, you know, buying 50 pieces and then returning 40 of them because they didn't sell after a couple of months. He says, you buy, buy what you need. And I said, okay. Um, and I said, what else? He says, that's it. He says, if we can get enough doctors like you to buy these things without having a rep sit in their office and having all of this extra stuff that comes, the, the, you know, the, the fancy packaging, the, 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 the propaganda they send along with it, uh, um, all, all of that stuff that goes with it, then we, we can sell the product for $20 instead of $60. And I said, I, I think you're going to go broke. And he says, no, we, I, I will still make what I make on it. He says, that extra $40 on every frame that I'm collecting, that's all expense. He says, if I can do away with the expense, I'm the same. I said, well, let's figure it out. So he came up with this idea, and over the last few months, um, I've, I've, we've gone back and forth. I've helped him develop the website so that it's user-friendly. Um, he's done a very nice job of putting together a good website. He's, he's, you know, we've, we've tuned up the frames. We've, I talked to him about adding in um, this thrifty line that we use for our, for our, um, our Medicaid people. We've, uh, we've added in some Sunwear. Um, he's, he's working right now on a deal to bring us, uh, to bring us wholesale lenses. Um, all of this, all of this is, is, is what his, what his, his dream is, his plan to, to sort of revolutionize the, the, the eyewear product buying. You know, to, to be to be very clear, uh, Fabi Corvallis is an optometrist. Uh, he, I, I know it because he registered for OD Wire, and he's an OD Wire member, and he was educated in, in the optometry college in Berlin. Uh, and I, I think he, he might have practiced in Europe for a while. Maybe Dan knows more than I do about that. But he's not a frame salesman. He understands optometry and what optometrists need. Um, and... So maybe uh, Dan can expand on that a little bit. And also, uh, what is your exact relationship to, to Smart OD? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, um, Fabi's education, you're right. He went to, he went to optometry school in, in Berlin, and he practiced, he practiced there. Um, he, he was part of a multi, multi-location um, clinic over there um, for several years. And then he decided to come to the, to the United States, and he was here he was here for a year, and he actually had a um, he had a a, um, a chain of of eyewear outlets, and I, I'm not sure where they were. I thought they were in Colorado. I'm not positive. And and after a year, it was time for him to get his license credentials renewed. And he made a decision at that time that he'd rather go over to the wholesale side, and that's where this opportunity with Metzler came along, and he started working in the frame side. Um, my my relationship with it. Is is simply that that um, Fabi and I have become friends over the years, and he he likes he likes my way of thinking. He thinks that I have good good ideas that I that I think outside of the box, and and he likes to 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 bounce ideas off of me about Do you think this will work? And if, and if you do think it works, can you can we try it in your office and see and see how it goes, and we can fine tune it. And for that, I get paid a, a small a small commission. For any of the any of the money that is spent by doctors that I bring into the program, um, which to date is about ten people, 
So <laughs> I am, so, I am not, a, I'm not making my money. Show how amateurs really know a good deal when they see it. <laughs> see, it's a remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Yeah, yeah. One question so, I do so have: my, motiva- is, my motivation is 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 very selfish. Um, if if we have a company that can provide this factory direct conduit for my practice, then I can stay competitive in the world. If this doesn't exist, then I got to go back and find it somewhere else. And and so it's nice that it's someone that I like, someone that I've worked with, someone that I trust. And 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 now he's he's allowing me to be a part of developing it. That's that that means a lot to someone who's as uh, crazy and creative as I try to be. Right. I've actually got a question for you. Do you know uh, Dr. Cavallis, Does he actually go get on a plane and go overseas and try to actually find these frames? How does he do it? I'm just sort of curious. Sure. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, here's here's the interesting thing. We we were. Um, to directly answer your question, the answer is absolutely. In fact, he's leaving in two weeks, and he'll be he'll be in um, three different cities in China, and he'll be over there for about three weeks. And he he meets directly with the frame manufacturers. And, but the interesting way that the process works, and most most uh, most doctors don't understand where frames come from. They actually think that <clears throat> if you know we, we have this fictitious name for every optician in the world. Her name is Susie. So we think doctors think that Susie sits down with the with the frame wrap and picks the frames that should sell in their office. And from what she picks, they take that and they build more frames like that. And that's absolutely not how it works. It works just like it does at every department store. Okay, then you have a chain of department stores like Kohl's or Dayton's or Target, and, and they have a fashion show in Europe, and, and, and all of the new fashions are determined uh, about what's going to go on the racks. And the buyers from those stores go in and they say, well, I want... I want this and this and this, and they buy millions of copies of them, and then they distribute them. And so when the department store gets their new stuff, they get crates and boxes full of new clothing, and they hang them up on the the racks in there, and that's what they have to sell. There's no choice. And and that is what really happens in the eyewear business. There's there's an eyewear fashion show. People that have frame companies like Cavallis Eyewear and, you know, Luxottica and, and Clear Vision and, and all these frame companies, the Cephalo, they all sit side by side at these meetings and they look at all the styles that are coming out. Now, some of the bigger ones like Luxottica and such, they actually have designers that design certain lines for them, but they still go there. And, and so they look and see what the newest styles are going to be, what, what they want. And then they put in orders. And these orders are put in sometimes as much as two years before they actually come out on, on, the, on the market. And, when they, and then what happens is all of these things are, are brought down, and, and we always wonder, how come the fashions happen first in Europe and then they come to us? Well, that's where the designs happen. And then they, they, they filter over to us, but none of us have any say over what designs are going to sell. Um, of course, there's the old, you know, the, they don't deviate far from what's been successful in the past, but there's always these new tweaks and nuances, and that's what these people do. That's, that's, the, that's the game. And, and so the frame companies um, have been nice to us over the years, and so they, they bring in, you know, boxes and boxes of frames, and they let us tip them over and decide which ones we want to buy. But the truth is, we don't even get to decide what goes in the box. We pick the best of what's in the box. So we're really not choosing. We're just, we're just narrowing it down what's offered to us. Right. Now, one, one area that uh, should be of concern, and I'm just wondering – how smart uh, OD will position itself. How about uh, the 
people that are committed to the vision care plans, such as VSP or IMED, where they're forced to take a certain number of frames and, and use certain laboratories. How, how does that work with, with SmartOD and their future plans? Well, currently, um, most of the plans allow the doctor to choose frames, and as long as the frame is published in the, in the wholesale frame fact book, as, as that's the wholesale frame price, then, then that's the price that you know, the vision care plans use to reimburse. Um, currently, every smart, OD, every smart OD frame is in that, is in that book. And, and its price is what its real wholesale is. Keep in mind that the wholesale price that is in the book reflects the traditional wholesale price, which means that you buy it traditionally from a rep, and, and, and that's how it is. But, you know, you know, for now, we're able to take out, take out a lot of that middleman stuff, and the doctors then see that savings even with the vision plan products with the frames. What the future does... That's up to them. That's not up to us. You know, not one of those vision vision plans, at least in my lifetime, they've never called me and asked me if it was okay if they make this change. And they're certainly not going to call SmartOD or any other company. They're just going to do what they want to do. Right. So, so basically, uh, is SmartOD a, a basically a full-time online company, or is, is there like a brick-and-mortar company somewhere? Uh, yes. Um, their headquarters are in Denver. Um, if you go on their website, um, Fave publishes their office number. He also publishes his own personal number on the website. So, so they they actually exist in Denver. They have they have a warehouse, and currently he's running the SmartOD program out of his own Cavallis Eyewear, um, out of his own Cavallis Eyewear um, warehouse. And so he has all all the all the things in place uh, for you know distribution and order taking. All, the only thing he's added now is the SmartOD side. Is is sort of self-serve if you if you want to think of it that way. Go online, click 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 click, pay by credit card, it's done. So you know we there's no financing of frames, there's no 30, 60, 90 terms. But the nice thing is is when I when I need a when I need a handful of frames, we just click on it, we order it, and two days later, three days later, they show up in my office. So so I don't I don't have the back order issues that we've that we've dealt with. Um, I'm sure that eventually you know if we get enough. If we get enough uh, um, other doctors that see the value of this, I'm sure somewhere, sometime, there's going to be some some order fulfillment issues. As no company's been able to avoid that. Um, but but yeah, it's it's a it's a real place, and and that part won't change. All that's going to happen is Covalis Eyewear is going to slowly turn into Smart OD, and and all of their employees that aren't involved in order fulfillment will slowly probably get replaced or moved into different positions because they won't need a on-the-ground sales team. Right. You know, I have to ask, I'm kind of ignorant about this because I've never actually seen any of the frames. I'm sort of curious, you know, Fave picks them himself. He flies over to Asia and, you know, beats everyone down for the best deal. Um, the, the, the frame lines themselves, what are they like? What, what is his, um, I know it's kind of hard to describe on the radio, but I'm just sort of curious, if you had to compare them to existing frame lines, what, what would you compare them to? Sure. Um, the the um, the golf line, which has been very successful for years, is is a lot like the Flexon frame. They've they've got the uh, you know the the you know the bendable memory metal kind of stuff, and those are those are all you know either uh, rimless or 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 metal metal frames. Um, they come in all the usual colors, you know, gunmetal, gold, silver, whatever, black. 
and and so those are kind of your traditional men's frames, if you will, some with two bars, some with one bar, you know, just that kind of very utilitarian, you know, stuff. We we saw a lot of those in my office. Um, just something that people like. Um, uh, but on the on the on the fashion side, he's got some some very beautiful designs. Um, they've got um, the the Zyle frames that are that are sort of uh, like black on the outside, and then they have a, a, a bright contrasting color on the inside of the temple. Um, he, they've got those with some different accents. He's uh, he's brought me some frames over the years. I mean, I mean, all of the stuff that Kovalis does is going to be smart OD. Um, I had some stuff that he brought in a couple of years ago that that looked like it was it was uh, hand carved wood. It was the most beautiful stuff. A little eclectic, you know. Not everybody wants to wear that, but there's you know there's there's super high fashion, and then there's you know goes down to you know, little pink, little girl frames. Um, they're all there. One, one of the things that's kind of a misconception here, and I saw some of this come back on some of the, the OD Wire um, uh, blogs that I've been watching, is that, you know, people think that Smart OD should be all the frames in, in your office. And, and it, that's never going to be true. Um, you, you have, and we're not promoting the fact that you shouldn't be buying frames from other companies. We, we think that, uh, and what Fabi uses is he uses this term called your image makers. So, so these, these big companies go out and do a lot of advertising, and there's no reason that, that all of us shouldn't benefit from that. So you've got to have some big-name frames in your office so when that patient walks in and they've been brainwashed that they've got to have a Versace or they've got to have a, a Gucci or, or a whatever, whatever number, whatever name they, they care about, you've got to have that hanging on, the, on your wall. And you have to have that to show that you're not just some, you know, cut rate, you know, discounter. And and so when they see that, and then they they can touch that, and then they can see a competitor's frame sitting next to it. Maybe it feels the same. Maybe it's even a little prettier. It might have a fancy label on the side, but it's it's every bit as nice. Then all of a sudden now you start looking at the margins. You know, I paid a hundred dollars for this frame that I'm having a hard time selling for two fifty, and I have this Smart OD frame that I paid twenty dollars for. And now I can sell that one for 150, 180, 200 dollars, and and my margin, you know, my marginal profit is huge. Um, it it just becomes a great tool. And if you incentivize your staff to 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 promote your what we call long margin products, then it it it's just a win-win. Um, your patients are happy because it's quality. They look nice, and and they paid maybe 30 percent less than they would have for the name brand. But they walk out being just as pretty and, and happier because they saved a few dollars. Uh, that's actually an interesting point you bring up. How do you present these frames to your staff when, when you're showing them? And, and how do you actually get them to try to, to move the product? Well, what's interesting is we, we were already a Kavalis customer. So, so we were already selling those frames um, in the office. So they, they have their place in, in my dispensary. And so, so in my office, um, we, we really have just changed um, how we order them, not so much how how the staff understands it. <clears throat> um, what we've what we've debated, and, and in fact, one of the things that we're in the, the midst of right now in, in our office as a debate is, is how do we want to incentivize that? Fabi came up with a really simple system. He says that he says that um, frames are handicapped. And he told me this yesterday. I, was, I thought that was interesting. He says they don't have a mouth, they don't have eyes, they don't have legs. So they have no way of telling the customer that they should be purchased. The, what overcomes that is your staff person. So if your staff person can pick that up and show your customer what that, what that looks like, what the benefits are, then the patient's going to probably buy it. 
and and that's that's how it is with every frame. There's a few that that you know, you know, like you know those big brands, Ray-Ban, Oakley. We get people coming and walking, walking and asking for those on a daily basis. Um, but when you, but you know, those are for like sunglasses and specialty wear. But if you have your everyday patients, they're they don't they don't know the difference between frame one and frame two. So if you educate your staff and say, and say these frames are better for our practice if you promote these, then as long you know the patient gets the final decision anyway. So if you show them something and they think it's beautiful, um, it's great. So Fabi says, well, why don't you put a bounty on the frames that you want to sell? So you just go through on every frame that you want to sell, and you and you you just stick a you just stick a little a little tag on the earpiece, um, just a little yellow dot or something, and and that dot means that when I sell that, if I'm a dispenser, I peel it off and I stick it on my on my little keep sheet, and every dot I get five dollars. And he says he says you won't be able to keep them in the office, he says because you know staff people are motivated by money. Um, and I mean, why, why would you not want to get paid what you're doing to do your job? And then if you do the exact same job and you can get $5 more, I, I see that as a no brainer. Do, do you, uh, encourage the staff to wear the smart OD frames? Um, you know, that's a great idea, Paul. I, I, I haven't encouraged my staff to do it, to do anything special like that. Um, uh, but you know, you, you bring up a, a, a great point. Um, in fact, I don't even wear glasses myself. I've, I tell patients all the time, I said, I'm so lucky I don't have to wear glasses. And they say, well, how come I have to? <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's because I've helped so many people that my vision has stayed happy. Uh, I, I don't know. One day, one day soon, um, it's going to happen. But So a little question about company policy. But how would a smart OD to handle the returns? Okay, well, what, what, the, um, what the, the written policy is, that you, you may return up to 10% of what you've purchased, no questions asked. Um, we had a situation occur uh, um, on Tuesday. Um, we, we ordered a, a bunch of frames from SmartOD, and uh, I believe my wife went online and ordered them, and, and <clears throat> I forget the name of the frame. Let's say it was called an Ashley, and she really meant to get a Vicky. And, <clears throat> and so when the, when the frame showed up, she, she got the one she didn't want. And so she called. She called up SmartOD and said, I don't, "I don't know what happened. I I wanted ten of this frame, and I got ten of this frame." And and the answer was, "Okay, um, go online and order the ones you want, and and um, put those other ones back in the box and send them back." It was simple, no-brainer. Um, that that's that's a very simple thing. The, the one of the things that that doctors are paying for in their current frame buying is that they're paying for returns. Um, Companies. I, I remember making some some negotiations with some frame companies when I was working with the IPA, and rates of return are a very very big concern of frame companies. They they would incentivize our IPA if we would keep the rate of return under 25%. Some offices return 60 70% of the frames they purchase, and and so the, here imagine you have a product, and you 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 let it sit on on someone's shelf and get dusty and crusty. And two years later, they send it back when that that style's already been discontinued, oh, and you get a full a full dollar for dollar refund. And and as far as warranties on on products and, and warranties are no questions asked. <clears throat> this is the same warranty Favi's had since I met him. He told me this, and and this again, it made no sense to me, but I like it. He says, if your patient's standing in front of you and their frame is broken, he said, just replace it. Call me, tell me it broke and I will send you one to replace the one on your board. 
I said, well, what about the broken one? He says, what am I going to do with it? Throw it away for you? You throw it away. Don't waste the shipping. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good point. So the sense is it's not a nickel and dime company. The prices are (laughs) low, but uh, the company itself is is not nickel and dime when it comes to this type of thing. You can work with them. Absolutely. And and it's been, you know, I mean, this is a well-established company. You can, you know, anybody that's curious about SmartOD wants to see what the company's like, you know, you can go to the Kovalis website, go to K-O-V-A-L-I-S. That's how you spell Kovalis. Um, Kovaliseyewear.com. And, and, uh, and you'll be able to see what, what his other company's been doing for the last uh, 18, 19 years. You know, I think there's even a better way. Uh, one thing we've allowed Favi to do since he is an optometrist is we started a, a topic, a discussion on the Ophthalmic Dispensing Forum about uh, Smart OD. And uh, Favi is probably the only CEO of a company that has uh, almost monopolized the conversation <laughs> <laughs> on that particular topic. But there isn't a question that an OD asks that, that he has not answered and that will not continue to answer. So if those that are listening are interested, just go to the OD Wire Ophthalmic uh, Dispensing Forum and look at it, and you'll get as much information as you could possibly get on the air. And I think I think the other thing is too that's really interesting about him is you know you really get to see, as you mentioned before, Dan, how these things are actually bought, how these things are made, where they come from, and it's actually interesting listening to him um, because you can really sort of open up the hood and see what's actually going on, whether you work with Smart OD or not. It's kind of fun to actually pull the curtain back and see how things are really done. It, it really is, and you know one of the one of the reasons I'm doing this for him today is because his his accent is very hard to understand. Uh, in person, and then when you put him on on a, a forum like the radio, yeah, it, it just it's just too difficult. And so you know, he and I have become you know friends, and he has this this trust. And he he also says, you know, say what's on your mind. I don't care. And and uh, that's just the way he is. And and so I, I've kind of become his his spokesperson, if you will. But he certainly writes better English than I could German, so, <laughs> so he's, Absolutely. He, he's fine. Absolutely. So, one question, and probably the bottom line question, is I assume after this, this 45 minutes or so chatting, uh, people are saying, well, how do I join Smart OD? What do I have to do? Um, it's real simple. You go to smartod.com and just follow the directions. Um, essentially, the, the only... <clears throat> when we developed it, the first the first thought was is that we we need to get people to belong, and they need to be regular customers, or or this won't have a chance. And and we floundered with it for a few a few months. And and he and I were having a conversation uh, about two weeks ago, and 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 he said, I I know what's wrong. I said, what's that? He says, we can't force people to buy our products. I said, okay. People find that as a as a negative. And so he's trying to remove all the objections to, to this. So, so um, he, he, um, to, to join, all you have to do is go online, pick the frames that you like, put your credit card information in so that you can pay for them, and, and now you're a member of SmartOD. And then <clears throat> the next time you want to buy something, you go back in and you buy again. And you can buy as many or as little as you like, um, I, rec- I recommend to people if you're going to make a purchase, buy buy enough to make the shipping charges worthwhile. Because uh, you know, if you buy a frame for 1960 and it has an eight dollar shipping charge, um, that's not a very good deal. But if you buy ten frames at 1960, it has an eight dollar shipping charge. Now, now we're now we're talking. Now we're starting to be economical. 
Right, that's the way to do it. So can you look in your crystal ball and see what the future is going to be as far as the optical industry is concerned? Well, sure, and let me, let me answer that in two ways. One is, what's Smart OD going to do? And, and, and Fabi and I, we talked about this last night for a while. Um, he's very concerned about it because he's really sort of, sort of mortgaging his Cavallis Eyewear company on this idea. And, and, and the idea is, is that if, if we can find about 1,000 Smart ODs to join Smart OD, then this this will this will catch fire. This will be this will become this will become everything that, that I envision it to become. It should be the place for us to purchase any consumables in our office at a factory direct price. I asked Fabi one time, I said, <clears throat> can you get me can you get me cleaning cloths? He said, sure. So so I ordered I ordered some cleaning cloths. It took a while to get them because he ordered for his company at the same time. But he just tacked my order onto it, so I ordered, I don't know what I got, 500 cleaning cloths. They were six cents a piece, and they came embossed with my, my office emblem on the, on the cleaning cloth for six cents each. That's cheaper than printing business cards. And, and we, can do this, we can do this time and time and time again for every doctor that wants to do it. Could you imagine a, cloth, a cleaning cloth usually costs about 50 cents, and we're getting them for six with, with my office logo on it. That's huge. That we could do, we can do, um, I also got a bunch of uh, frame cases. And so they're the clamshell kind that, you know, the ones that snap shut and scare you. Yeah. Okay. That, that kind. And they're, they're printed with my name on the inside and they're embossed with my name on the outside. They're the nicest frame cases I have. I, I'm trying to remember what they were. I think they were 75, 80 cents a piece. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, so, unbelievable. So that that's what the future c- can it's, be if we get people to sign up. Well, it's all about economies of scale. So the question is, you know, how do you get people to join? Right, it's a chicken and egg problem. And uh, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, you know the old saying, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably isn't. And and so we've done everything we can to remove all of the all of the the restrictions. Any any you know, I mean, the return policy is very simple. The warranties are no questions asked. Um, the delivery is timely. The uh, the cost is as low as anybody's ever had. I've had some people say, "Well, I don't want to buy stuff for that price," and, and I go, "Well, okay, let's let's take let's take glasses out of the equation. Let's make it let's make it steak." So you go to you go to the store and 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 your favorite kind of steak is eleven dollars a pound, but it's on sale for three dollars a pound. Are you not going to buy it that week? That's that's what that's what we're doing here. Well, and you that's know the the, the other thing that's interesting too is is because uh, you have such a close relationship with the actual supplier of the frames in Asia, you know what you're getting. So you know I, I mentioned the um, the Bridge and Crown company that we did the uh, the software for in the beginning. The idea of actually getting a something that you put in your mouth coming from some random factory in China would probably be scary to a lot of people, even though it's a tenth the cost of what you could get in the U.S. But when you actually are able to pull back the curtain and see how things are made and see that it's made to the same standard that you'd get here, it, you know, your, your position changes markedly. And I think probably the same thing would go on here. So that's why I would sort of encourage people to go on ODWire and really talk about the product itself and where it's coming from um, so you can really learn that it is, it is equivalent. Well, you know, here's the thing, okay? I, I challenge anybody to name a frame line that is manufactured exclusively in the United States. I've been looking. I haven't been able to find one. Everything is made overseas now. In fact, 
<clears throat> when Luxottica was little, everything they did was made in Italy. But but I understand that a, 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 an increasingly large portion of their frames are manufactured in China, and then they're assembled in Italy. Okay, because because it's all economy of scale. It, the the productivity in China and Korea, and and there's there's when you go over there, there's there's communities that are that are essentially built around manufacturing eyewear. And you go to this village and they make xyle, and you go to this village and they make metal, and you go to this village and they make they make memory metal. That's that's how they do it over there. And and uh, every I have another friend that that does the same thing that Fabi does. So I'm not just getting this from him, but he he actually works inside of oh, he has an office inside of one of those companies, and then he spends half his time in the U.S. and and the company is owned by the government. He says that in the CEO's office, there's a red phone on the desk. When the red phone rings, you answer it. And at the other end, there's going to be some high-ranking government official that says, um, this man is coming to your office at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Give him this job. Yes, sir. <laughs> Click. <laughs> that's, that's how China's run. And, and so, so from that standpoint, they, they, can, they have the ability to, to, to – the government actually helps – these companies stay where they are. It's 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 amazing, and it's, it's certainly unfortunately for the U.S. economy, um, we're buying all of our products there. It's, it's that that part I, I hate to see. I, I like to see American workers working. Right. Um, well, you know, we're up to final words, and there won't be any final word here because you're going to be on OD Wire, and you are in the midst of uh, many discussions. Uh, so uh, our our listeners will have a chance to continue with the conversation. Sure, I, I'm I'm so I'm so happy that I have this opportunity. Um, like I say, there's there's I, I I guess my excitement hopefully comes through. Um, I, I I had one one guy uh, accuse me of being a pessimist on on the OD wire, and and I'm I, I what I'm pessimistic about is the fact that we have opportunities for for our our profession, and and people are so. I don't know, maybe they've been burned too many times or they're so skeptical that they, they don't embrace these kind of things. And, and you know, for me, you know, go, go on OD Wire, order $100 worth of product, touch it, feel it, smell it, sell it, and, and tell me you don't want more. And, and what's really important, and I, I heard some people say, well, the selection's kind of limited. Well, we only have, you know, 40 doctors, um, you know, on Smart OD right now using the products. So, so we've not been able to expand the lines, but if people start requesting things, the sky's the limit. We can, we can provide anything. I asked him, I said, do you think we could buy notebook computers so I don't have to go pay full price for those? He says, well, yeah, if we can buy 500 of them, I can get a great price. I said, well, I don't need 500. I only need five. He says, well, then find, find a hundred friends. <laughs> it's, it's just, that's, it's that simple. Great. Well, Dan, thanks so much. This has actually been a really enlightening 45 minutes, and uh, I really hope the conversation does continue online. It's been a lot of fun. 